The holidays are here, and each comes laden with meaning and memories. How might we as Christians keep the feast? What days are worth celebrating and why? Gather round and listen close. After all, tis the season. Well, guys, Merry Thanksgiving. It's good to be with you all here at this pleasant time of year. Um, I'd like to get things started by just acknowledging that any conversation about Thanksgiving is really just a conversation about Christmas. Oh my Can goodness. We- <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, we can't do that. We, that, we have one controversy at a time yeah. okay. on this podcast. Thanksgiving is pre-Christmas, <laughs> and then there's Christmas Eve, That's and right. then there's Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Pre-Christmas, yeah, Christmas Eve, and Christmas. All right, so we are here gathered together for a Tis the Season episode on Thanksgiving and consumption, a.k.a. Tuberculosis, as we were saying before we got started, <laughs> oh, no. not not that consumption. Um, we're we're, we're going to talk about really is our culture equipped for a holiday like Thanksgiving, um, and what's up with going immediately from Thanksgiving to something like Black Friday? It's like we couldn't even get Thanksgiving its own you know time yeah. in the limelight before we were already thinking about what we could consume again. Um, so let's start this way. Do you have any treasured Thanksgiving memories or traditions? Hmm. Yeah, growing up, it was always at Grandma's house, and um, she made a, she and my granny made a massive spread of uh, food for lunch, stuffing, beets, uh, ham, turkey. She stuffed the beets? She stuffed the beets. (laughs) She beat the stuffing? (laughs) Macaroni and cheese. And so as a kid, I I stayed away from the beets, the stuffing, the turkey. I was all about ham, macaroni and cheese, and my favorite was the pecan pie. Oh, Oh, my word. I would put it away. And uh, just absolutely love Thanksgiving growing up. I love it. Thanksgiving was one of the most, I think, big family holidays we had every year that was when we would get everybody in town and everyone would be over and it would be a magnificent feast one of my favorite thanksgivings though was just a few years ago when my brother actually brought over two foreign exchange students from his college because they had nowhere to be on thanksgiving and it was really really fun to share the the thanksgiving you've had your entire life with with two people from a whole other culture and country who get to enjoy all the fun and the weird of your particular Thanksgiving. Um, but they, they were just a blast to, to have with us and learning about turkeys and pumpkin pies and all the fun things you get to do during Thanksgiving. I am a fanatic at Thanksgiving, though, about the canned cranberry sauce. That stuff, when it hits the shelves in, in November, I start buying it up in bulk. Just I love that stuff. it with a spoon? <laughs> yes, I will put it into a mug and eat it with a spoon. That's amazing. That's amazing. So um, <clears throat> the Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, and my most memorable Thanksgiving, <clears throat> I went deer hunting with a, with a good friend who um, had kind of adopted me. Uh, he was in his 30s. He taught the ninth grade Sunday school class. At our church, he and his wife were childless, and um, and he had just kind of adopted me as a little brother, and he was a big hunter, and so he kind of 
indoctrinated me into that world and we hunted together uh in the fall often and uh and so we went hunting that night went up there and we were sitting there in his truck we didn't even get out of the truck we just kind of parked it on this trail and uh talking quietly and looking and i happened to look over my shoulder and there was right behind the truck there was this giant deer buck standing there and i said Andy, there's deer, you know. So it's like the Keystone Cops. He started trying to get out of the truck. I started trying to get out of the truck. Uh, the first thing that happened is the light, the dome light came on when we opened the door, <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then the buzzer because he left his key in there. The buzzer goes, you know. <laughs> and this deer, of course, is just we. The last thing we saw of the deer, he was galloping down in the field, and Andy was really mad, and he said, "We're coming back tomorrow morning." That deer's going to be in that field, and we're coming back tomorrow morning. And I was skeptical. We drove home. It was about an hour and a half drive. Went to bed. He picked me up at 3 o'clock that morning. We drove an hour and a half Oof. back and parked about 100 yards from that field and actually got down on our all, you know, got down on our hands and knees and crawled the last 100 yards and set up next to the fence line where we had been parked the night before and um, waited. Finally, it got light. It was a little bit foggy in the field, but you could see something moving around in the field and he had a kind of an infrared scope on his on his rifle and he all of a sudden he put the scope to his eye and i heard the safety click off and then kaboom and uh this one big um kind of blob in the fog ran a few yards and then dropped and we went out there and it was that deer from the night before uh. the biggest most beautiful rack and <clears throat> i went and got the truck and he hauled the deer to the front line, and we put threw him in the back end. Well, actually, we field-dressed him, threw him in the back end, and went back to my house. We hung that thing up by its hocks, and he skinned it, and we cut the back straps out, which are these tender pieces of meat along the backbone. We took him inside, and my mom sliced him up into slices and breaded them and fried them and made scrambled eggs and gravy, and we had backstrap and... Eggs and gravy. It's the most memorable Thanksgiving wow. of my life. Wow. Mine, my memory is basically exactly the same. We would go see Disney movies. <laughs> um, no, it's actually kind of true. We, we, would, we would descend as a family on, on my grandparents' house. My dad, his, and all of us, his kids, and um, his brother, Carrie, and his kids, we would all sort of descend on our grandparents' house around Thanksgiving. This, this became some something of a tradition for our families. And um, every Thanksgiving, a new Disney movie was coming out, you know. And so I think we saw, um, the day it was released, we saw Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, you know, like in running years, you know. Those were some golden years for Disney movies, though, and uh, <clears throat> and so we, you know, we would pal around all weekend. And I remember just thinking how awesome it was on Thanksgiving night after a after a long day of watching football and you know palling around with your cousins, loading up in a car at night. It's cold outside, going to the movie theater. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Then we would we would uh, cut the back strap. Out of, <laughs> out of the videotape. <laughs> uh, that, that took a turn. That took a turn. <laughs> out of Aladdin. <laughs> we got Aladdin's out back of, strap out. Out of whoever was in front of us. <laughs> the movie theater. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anyways, tuberculosis. So, yeah, so back to tuberculosis. All right, so Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving traditions. It's Thanksgiving's an interesting holiday. Um, 
it's kind of um it's a holiday about togetherness it's a holiday in some ways about um two distinct people groups sort of coming together and acknowledging their shared uh, dependence upon providence and um and upon each other and uh and so there's a lot I think going for Thanksgiving when we look back on it and its historical origins. Canada celebrates Thanksgiving, but I don't know if we can call it Thanksgiving because I think they celebrate it second week of October. Um, that's just pre pre Christmas, yeah. if, if you ask me. But um, but yeah, it's an important holiday, and I I think maybe we've forgotten somewhat about what Thanksgiving is about. That the blessings of this land, the blessings of where we live, and 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 even a, the blessing of our neighbor, our neighbor is not a burden but a blessing. Um, you know, th- th- those aren't ideas that I see bouncing around social media all the time. Like mm. those, th- that that's not making it on the news, really. So, w- what is it about gratitude that makes it so powerful, and where do you see its absence in our culture today? Gratitude is the ability to see what you've been given and to value it accordingly. And I think especially the younger you are, the easier it is to take what you've been given for granted. And so gratitude in that way kind of becomes a superpower because it's the only time when you can actually appreciate what's been given to you in life. Uh, Gratitude allows you to enjoy the things that whether you say you achieved or providence has provided for you. Um, really, gratitude is the only time when you actually get to enjoy it, I would say. And I see a big, a big um, lack of gratitude, particularly when it comes to uh, the family in, in our culture. We have a really, really hard time taking the givenness of family as a blessing. Um, our culture definitely leans into the idea of family are the people you choose to surround yourself with. I think that's part of the reason why you have the uh, advent of like Friendsgiving. Not that Friendsgiving in and of itself is a bad thing, but that's sort of our culture leaning into this idea that, well, I don't have to spend time with the people I'm related to. I can sort of spend time with people I'd prefer. Um, I mean, the concept of Friendsgiving makes some sense. I've got some friends who I'd happily give to someone else. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Thanksgiving presupposes that there's someone you owe gratitude to. Mm-hmm. And that's what's, re- I mean, that's an idea that's largely rejected right now by the culture. It's in- almost incompatible with the materialist culture. Right, it is. And um, and yet, you know, Paul ties these things together in Romans 1, where he says the failure that led to their ultimately their uh, madness uh, of the people was that they didn't honor God as God or give him thanks. And these things are inseparable because if God is there and he's really the creator, then we live our lives in a debt of obligation mm-hmm. and and he deserves our gratitude for for uh what he's done. And yet um uh we if we don't accept that about his existence and his role uh, then we don't have anyone to be thankful to. And I, I'll, I'll say this about gratitude. You said, what's so powerful about it? I can, this is just a little personal testimony. At a time in our life where uh, it was a very dark time and we'd suffered and were suffering a great deal of loss 
uh, in our house and in our, among our family, <clears throat> someone gave us a little book that suggested that um, gratitude was, in fact, central to what it meant to be a Christian and that it was a central facet of your faith and uh, that you should practice intentional gratitude. Uh, and so we began to uh, be very intentional about calling up and being mindful of and giving thanks for everything in our life that we could think of that was worthy of being thankful for. And it transformed our perspective even, I mean, it didn't take the dark uh, loss, it didn't take the loss away, but it reminded us that um, loss is not all there is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the lack of gratitude, I would contribute that. We're, we're such an affluent nation that it's all most of us have ever known is just being provided for um, to the point that we think maybe it's owed to us. It's just something that will always be there because it's all we've ever known. And when you forget that this was actually provided by someone, to Keith's point, you know, that because there is a God who is responsible for all that we have, um, you start forgetting that and get accustomed to, you know, a mindset that just, you know, either believes that it's owed to you or whatever. You come to the table over your food and you give these little con one sentence prayers like, God is great, God is good, let us thank you for our food, amen. And you really don't think anything of it when the reality is, I mean, um, apart from his graciousness, I mean, you don't have this sitting in front of you to eat. And so I, I've tried to be very intentional in my stopping and, and praying, not just for food, but just reminding myself that I'm not owed anything, and it's only by God's grace, you know, that I even uh, have my needs taken care of. And so um, I want to pass that on to my kids and be very intentional about that when we're together and mm. just in my own walk. Yeah, I like um Kyle, I thought your point about gratitude sort of being a necessary precondition for enjoyment. Um, yeah. We don't fully enjoy what we have apart from gratitude and an understanding of where it's come from and we're not entitled to it. If we're entitled to it, it's almost like it cancels out the enjoyment part because mm -hmm. it's like, well, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. I think we see the same thing happening, by the way, in some Christian circles in the way we preach the gospel. Um, mm -hmm. Like We're entitled to grace. And God should do this. And I hear people preach the gospel that way. Like, um, I, I've heard someone say, God just couldn't stand to be without you in heaven forever. And so he killed his son to have you, you know, and it's like, well, why wouldn't he? You know? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. But of I'm, course. I'm pretty awesome. You're so awesome that God yeah. died for you, you know? And um, it, it sort of turns grace into something we're entitled to rather than something we didn't deserve. Mm. We're wretches, and yet God is good. And so gratitude not only highlights God's providence, but his goodness and character. It also situates us appropriately within the created order. So gratitude is sort of an affront to our modern myth of sort of the self-created person, that we can sort of turn ourselves into whatever we want. Gratitude sort of reminds us that, oh, I didn't earn all this. Some of this, some of this I just got. Um, the Christian would say all of it in some ways, one way or the other, you just got as, as a gift of grace. And so gratitude is the intentional turning away from the idolization of self and a intentional submitting to 
the fact that you were given something beyond what you could get for yourself. It's also, I think, a completely unnatural act Mm -hmm. after the fall. I think the fall makes us predisposed to take credit for everything that's good and to deflect blame for everything that's bad, right? And Ben, I think you mentioned this maybe in two or three podcasts ago about this great scene in the movie Shenandoah where Jimmy Stewart gets his family together and he leaves his prayer and he says, and it's the most audacious and amazing and interesting prayer in all of moviedom, (laughs) I think, but he says, he says, Lord, we plowed the fields and we planted the seed, and we harvested the crop, and we worked till we were dog-bone tired to bring it all in, but we're thanking you for he it. Said, just and we same. did all of it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we did everything ourselves, but we're thanking you for it just the same. Um, and, I mean, that's just the, that sets the stage for, for what follows in so many mm-hmm. essential ways in that movie. But I think there is this attitude uh, that we have, which is that, you know, yeah, God gave me this, but gee, I, you know, I went to work every day and, you know, and I, I did all this. And, and so it's a caricatured version of it, but I think what he was saying is sort of unstated assumptions in a lot of hearts. You know, I think that's right. I, and and I, think, I think gratitude is also a finger in the eye of the enemy. Um, yeah. The enemy sort of wants to posture as ruler over the world. And when we're grateful and we bow our, our hearts and our heads to, to the goodness, to a good God who provides for us, even when we're suffering, Dad, to your kind of comments earlier, it's a finger in the eye of the enemy and saying, nope, you don't rule this. You don't rule me. Yeah. You don't rule my life. I'm suffering, but God is good. And he is, he is the father of lights as opposed to the father of darkness, mm-hmm. really, is what that is. And all good gifts come down from him. Um, I, I, you know, and so t- to speak about gratitude in a world like ours, where we see so much anger and hatred, especially toward other tribes, to kind of give that historical um, backbone of Thanksgiving its its due. When we see so much hatred to uh, toward other tribes in our world today, and in a sort of in increasing tribalism mm-hmm. in our yeah. world, gratitude sort of undoes that in a strange way. Gratitude kind of clears the room of competing Mm. emotions, you know? So grief, bitterness, anger, these are things that don't really abide well with gratitude. Well, and I think one of the reasons that Thanksgiving is less revered now in our modern culture is because there has gotten to be such controversy, you know, and I'm no historian, so ferreting, ferreting out some of those details I've, I've found difficult. But just the – we've become so contentious even about the story of Thanksgiving and kind of how much love was going on there between the, the, the pilgrims and the Native Americans that they, were, that they were neighbors with. And I think what it does is it gives people an excuse to say, well, if I could find anything wrong, if I could find any blemish, then I can, I can reject the whole thing. I can get rid of all of it. And I think this is – to your point about gratitude, is gratitude has to take whatever is good about it and lift that up. And our culture is so ready to find anything wrong with either a previous generation or with other groups that surround us that are different from us and say, if I can find anything wrong with you, then I don't have to give you any of my affection or any of my affirmation. Mm-hmm. I can withhold that. Yeah. So, so let me ask you guys this question then. Is is Thanksgiving still about gratitude 
today? And if not, what is it about? You mean just as a culture or for ourselves? As a culture, I guess. But maybe, maybe you could contrast. You know, if, if you see it differently, do tell. <laughs> well, I think as a culture, like you said earlier, it's how did we go from the traditions of Thanksgiving to Black Friday being the focal <laughs> point? It's not even Black Friday anymore. It's like Thursday afternoon. The stores are opening now. Mm. You know, it's all a, a race to see who can get the most people into their their place before uh, <laughs> the other stores. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked up. In fact, I Googled this morning just to see what would happen. You know, Google's fun to experiment with in that way. I Googled this morning Thanksgiving versus Black Friday just to see what came up. And what came up was Thanksgiving versus Black Friday versus Cyber Monday. Which deal? Which day has the best deals? <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't even a contrast. It, it, was, wasn't, it was like comparing how well we could consume on any one of these uh, yeah. you know, various occasions. I, I to think, your point, Van. I think holidays have a way <clears throat> of diluting over time, diluting mm-hmm. over time. And, you know... Um, is Christmas is Thanksgiving about gratitude? Is Christmas about Jesus' birthday? Is Memorial Day about those who've died? Um, I, you know, I think it it gets watered down over time. Just the passage of time and the shifting priorities of the culture uh, has has a um, sort of a muting effect on the profundity of what very often motivated these things. I think you can't have, you know, a, a holiday like Thanksgiving celebrated as a day for gratitude by a culture that thinks it has no one to be grateful to. And so I think you'll see increasingly people being intentional about being grateful who believe that God is there and is the provider of everything we have. But I think you'll see in the same way that the culture and the West in particular is becoming um, sort of opposed to uh, a biblical worldview, uh-huh. I think you'll see less and less gratitude. I think you already see, independent of the holiday, you see less gratitude and more uh, petulance yeah. as a general matter. Yeah, when you talk about things being diluted, I, mean, um, I don't let people get away with telling me happy holidays. Yeah, uh, I'll say no. It's Merry Christmas, and I'll just smile and walk off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my Benedict option. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Karen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, you know, I I think you're right. I I think that Thanksgiving still um, it it sort of calls to a spirit of horizontal gratitude. And, and a lot of people in our culture, so they'll still gather together with families and they'll express thanks for the people around the table or for the food that's on the table. And so there's this horizontal yeah. trajectory of, of um, gratitude, but there's no vertical gratitude. Well, I say no. It's rarer. It's, it's a more rare thing that, um, to, 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 to thank God for his blessings and to direct that gratitude upward rather than just vertically and outward. I, I would also continue that to say not only is the gratitude primarily horizontal in the sense of uh, family or career, you know, whatever, put the food on the table, whether it's the people you invited over or the job that you're working the days before, but not only is there no vertical gratitude towards God, there's also no backwards gratitude, I guess, towards uh, 
uh, any sort of tradition or any sort of national identity or any sort of, you know, and, and Christians often have to sort of balance sort of how much identity we give to these things. But there is no thankfulness for, man, we got here because of the people that came before us. Hmm. You know, um, we, don't, we don't spend time necessarily talking about uh, even the family that sort of preceded us coming into that event. Um, and I, I think that's a shame as well. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's maybe perhaps the first step towards a rejection of gratitude towards God, you know, the way that one treats one's, uh, one's ancestral gratitude. So maybe gratitude thrives best um, in a worldview that takes history and transcendence into, in, into mind. Mm-hmm. And our, our, our own worldview is so locked to the moment. It's so now-focused. It's so immediate gratification, which is, and gratification is different than gratitude, obviously. Mm. It's so immediate gratification oriented that it, it can't take history and transcendence into view in any given moment. It, or it doesn't, it's not that it can't, it's just that we're much, we're far less inclined to, to take something, those two things in mind. So let me ask a question. Um, so it occurs to me that Thanksgiving, that the, the events that inspired Thanksgiving to become uh, a thing were rooted in the harvest and God's providence providing uh, the needs of people. And it was in a time and place in which people were very closely tied to and acutely aware of their need for the earth to provide mm. uh, you know, their sustenance. And we live in a culture and a technological age now where there's a very there's a gulf between uh, even our many people's understanding of the extent to which they're dependent on uh, the the natural world yeah. being flourishing and being fruitful. And so, do, does that get in the way? And and how do you think that gets in the way of gratitude? Gosh, that is so insightful. So you were you were talking about that, and I was sort of having a moment of epiphany because i was you were talking about how for many people this would have been the moment of greatest bounty when you had before you all that god was giving you for a whole year right and i was sitting there wondering about my own experience i actually hate going to the grocery store around thanksgiving because that's when things are least available and so it was just interesting to me that for for my experience Thanksgiving is in some ways the exact opposite experience. I'm experiencing you have those little micro experiences of an inversion. Yeah, of an inversion, and 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 that's a that's a shame that I, uh, you know, that's kind of like a a small speed bump in the road in the road of instant gratification. But that's I weird. I was driving down the road with Abe the other night after church, and um, it was nighttime. It was late, and because Kyle likes to keep students really late. So we were, we were, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, we were driving down the road and there on the horizon was the moon, um, was coming up on the horizon and it was this giant orange ball yeah. on the horizon. And I was explaining to Abe that we're getting close to what we call the harvest moon. It may have already happened by the time we, we've recorded this and you've, you've listened to it out there in the podcastosphere. Um, so, there, there was this giant orange ball on the horizon, and Abe was like, what is that? He didn't even know it was the moon. And I was like, well, that's the moon. No way. There's no way that's the moon. Yep, that's the moon. He thought it was some giant sign on the horizon. And, and what I was explaining to him <laughs> well, was that the heart— not necessarily wrong. Yeah, it is a sign, not the way you're thinking. 
But what I was explaining to him is that the harvest moon is the biggest and brightest moon of the year. Right at precisely the time when God knew men needed to extend their work hours to get the harvest in, to get all their work done and not do it in darkness, God gives us the biggest, brightest moon of the year to shine brightly on our harvest nights, right? And I said, that's just one example of how prior generations would have thought about that, would have, would have seen that, and would have, it would have, the natural world would have, and our dependence on the natural world specifically, would have sort of heightened our sense of gratitude to the provider and creator of all things. Yeah, so this whole thing going on in Ukraine and how, you know, they're a major supplier of uh, wheat, and people are like, what? That affects us? You know, kind of thing. And so you're kind of reminded in an instant, like, yeah, this stuff doesn't just come out of nowhere, right? Yeah, Yeah, we actually measure our disconnectedness from the land by generations. And so there's there's this concept, how many generations removed from the land are you? Mm. So I I am probably, I don't know, Pops was, not you, Pops, but your grandfather, Pop. Uh He was... Pretty intimately connected with the land. He was, yeah, he was a real life cowboy. Right. So I was, I'm probably three generations removed from the land. Yeah. Uh, when, when my grandfather asked my grandmother to marry him, I mean, this doesn't sound very romantic, but this is kind of the calculus that went in when you were living really close to the land. She said, I'll marry you, but I won't chop cotton. <laughs> and, and, because that's, that's a prenup. Yeah, yeah. that's a prenup. <laughs> She'd had enough of that. You know, and so if she was going to be a married woman and keep a house, she wasn't going to work the field and chop cotton. So that was a consideration. Good honor. Mm. Um, Standards. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, so, you know, we we laugh and joke about adolescents sometimes. We'll say, well, he's got a really adolescent mentality. And what we mean by that is he's sort of just living in the lap of luxury but thinks it all just shows up <laughs> of its own accord. You know, he yeah. has no concept of where it comes from or what it takes to provide it but i think aren't we that way sometimes with with our food even you know i mean there's all kinds of surveys of young people who who think that chicken comes wrapped in plastic you know um that and they're horrified to find out that these are you know running around the barn and they eventually have their heads chopped off and and uh to turn into the thing that's wrapped in plastic in the grocery store. You need to introduce those kids to Earl Lasseter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but 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 it. But truly, I think you're right to the extent that we can get young kids plugged in with old crusty buckets who still live that way. You know, I think is a is a good thing, and I think Earl would would like being called an uh, old crusty bucket. Actually, I think. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> you know, I I I guess. Well, Kyle, were you going to say something? Uh, I was trying to calculate how many generations removed from the land. Both of my grandparents uh, grew up on farms and worked and worked hard on farms, and I uh, I take great pride in that in in that knowledge. And I think this whole idea of being connected to the land is interesting because you would think that the more distance from the land, we might actually become more grateful. And here's why: if we really believe the myth that we've told ourselves, which at which is that technology equals progress in all ways. It's interesting to me that it is those who are more connected to the land have seem to have a greater level of gratitude, a greater precondition for gratitude, which tells me something about God. God is actually more abundant than we give him credit for. And the Psalms describe this over and over, is that everything looks to the hand of the Lord for its, its sustenance in due season. And so it seems to me that 
we've in some ways proven God's point by the farther we get away from his creation, the less grateful we are because he's the only one who can really provide with the level of abundance that produces the kind of gratitude he's looking for. Well, so this is important because, um, you know, we, we recently covered a book by Rod Dreher called The Benedict Option in another podcast series called The Book Nug. And there's one of the things that Rod Dreher, the author of that book, highlights is something that C.S. Lewis actually makes plain in his thinking. And he, he, he talks about how in a medieval worldview, everything relates to an, everything else in the universe through another thing. And so there's this mediated relationship between things and that, you know, we relate to God through the mediation of the world. And so this is one of the reasons Christ becomes incarnate in creation because we relate to God through Christ, our mediator, but Christ is still part of the world in that sense. He transcends it, but he's part of it. That's the whole point of the incarnation. But Kyle, to your point, we still relate to God through his creation in ways that we're blind to today because of the abundance around us, because you can drive down to Taco Bell and get a bean burrito if you want to. Maybe you shouldn't. Abundance might not be the right word for that bean burrito. Yeah, an abundance of something. Um, but. But I guess my point is there's this reversal of technology or a reversal of progress where spiritual formation, spiritual development maybe gets arrested by technological development and, and progress. We have everything we need around us. We can look anywhere in the world that we want to look and on our phones. We can, we can access information in abundance, but we maybe don't have a, a, as great a capacity for wisdom and gratitude as our ancestors did who were more connected to the earth and to true dependence well, upon God. they were surrounded more by the works of God's hands and less by the works of their own. And I think technology, whatever you want to say about it, 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 uh, it largely blinds us. It, you know, God says, and he wrote with his own hand, uh, don't make any graven images. Um, he, he knew from the get-go, that we're inclined to, uh, to worship what we do and what we make. I mean, it says in the Tower of Babel, they did that to make a name for themselves. And so I think, I've long believed that the pathologies of urban culture are related at least in part to the fact that they're so surrounded by the works of man's hands that it blots out their ability to see what God has done. I mean, the Bible talks openly and explicitly about the connectedness between the natural world and the awe-inducing realization of God and his place. And so this is, I mean, we're not sort of out on the fringes of theological history, or this is right in the crosshairs of biblical theology. Well, there's so many things in terms of technological innovation, specifically just around the creation of food, that Christians ought to be thankful for. You know, the ability to feed the multitudes. In not our, in veggie our... burgers, though. We should not be thankful for <laughs> <Yeah>. veggie burgers. <laughs> we we must the draw lines. They're of Satan, and yeah. they must be destroyed. <laughs> They're the orakai of, of burgerdom. <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. But w- what I think is, is depressing is that we haven't kept up with the, the blessings, both through the natural world and the technology that God has bestowed upon us. We have not caught up in equal measure in gratitude to match those blessings. And that's a shame. Yeah, and I would even I would even go so far as to say that um, the technological advancements we've done war against gratitude. It's not that mm. gratitude is lagging behind. It's that mm. technological developments we have actually war against the development of gratitude itself. We're, we're less likely 
to to be grateful in the world that we're living in. So I I can't remember <laughs> if I've shared this in in our podcast somewhere along the way or not. There's this great thing I ran across. Um, speaking of technology on the internet, where someone said if if you um, if if someone teleported in from the 1940s, you know, just kind of picked up out of the 1940s and teleported in, um, what would what would be the thing that you told them that was the strangest thing about our current moment? And, you know, you got all these answers, you know, from people about things. But one person said an amazing thing. One person said, here's what I would tell them that's strange. In my pocket, I carry a device with which I can access the cumulative knowledge of all mankind, but I use it to watch random videos of cats and to get into arguments with perfect strangers. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, you know, this is... There's nothing inevitably uplifting about fallen humanity's use of technology, even though we yeah. should be grateful for it. Because yeah. how many lives have been saved right. because they had a they had a smartphone and could reach out to someone in an emergency, right? Yeah, yeah but, and I, I think I think Christians have the capacity, or should at least be able, better than everyone around you, because Kyle, to your point earlier about looking past in history, we have we should have a historical framework we're working with. We should also have a transcendent framework we're working within. And so then, therefore, we should be able to think critically about technology. We should be able as Christians to say, okay, here's a good use of technology. Here's a bad use of technology. Here's a technology that's going to aid in our spiritual formation in the world. Here's a technology that will war against Spiritual formation, but what I've seen is that Christians are as quick as anybody else to just rush to whatever new thing Apple has dropped on the conveyor belt. You know, we're just rushing. And literally, what is it that everyone goes to buy at a discount on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving? TVs and phones. TVs and cell phones, right? Those are the th- and computers. It, so, I, and again, each of these technologies has a proper use and has been used um, to save lives, even or even yeah. to sp- spread the gospel. But yeah. Well, so how do we know that Black Friday is in, is specifically a lack of gratitude and not just, maybe to use your point, Ben, the pre-Christmas season? Maybe it's just an onslaught of Christmas cheer that, that gets everybody to the stores on Black Friday. How do we know, how do we know it's a dark thing? Well, it's black, so it's Black Friday. <laughs> Right. So, so that's dark, you know. <laughs> it's in the na- That sounds, it's in the neighborhood of darkness. Um, but look, when I'm in line, Black Friday in a store... I'm thanking God for those discounts I'm about to get. You know, so. <laughs> hey, but hey, but listen. I mean, there are some people who, because they're frugal and and they don't have all that they that other people have, that that take full advantage of those discounts so yeah. that they can bless their family. So I'm not even saying discounts are wrong, and you should never go shopping the day after Thanksgiving. How dare you? You know, that's that's not even the spirit. It's it's giving true gratitude. It's due mm-hmm. and. And if you're going to go look for a discount, um, that's fine, but maybe don't trample the person to death in front of you, <laughs> you know, which we see happening as these stores yeah. open, people camping out on Thanksgiving night on the streets in tents to get into the store first and literally tramping, trampling other people to death. Yeah. To get, so, <sighs> yeah. All, yeah. For some of us, it's not a matter of <clears throat> whether we get to go shopping, it's a matter of whether we have to go shopping. Um, you know, I can honestly true, say, true that. never once in my life have I been shopping on Black Friday, yeah. and that wasn't some plan. I mean, it was just 
my inclination is never to go shopping, even though I recognize the, the value in, you know, yeah. Yeah. picking things up. Well, and cultures, just like people, have, have rhythms, have habits. And I think it's, it is telling to me that our culture shrinks the amount of time we spend in gratitude as much as possible. So we've got all these other holidays where it gets the full day, you know, everything, you know, and you might even have days leading up to it and days going after it. You know, Christmas gets like a, like a month, but the one holiday we have several. to be yeah, several, several, sorry, <laughs> I keep forgetting. Yeah. We're on different liturgical yeah, cal- yeah. calendars of Christmas. <laughs> um, the one, ca- the one day in the calendar we have to say, this is the day that we will be thankful we rush off as quickly as possible. It's as though we're uncomfortable with it. Like as soon as we start, we kind of remember, oh, this makes me, I chafe against this. Yeah, so I I, um, I remember as a kid, uh, we went to this church and there was a plan to do some 24-hour prayer fest or something, I don't remember. And so there was supposed to be no broken link in the prayer chain. We were all just going to be praying and signing up for different slots throughout the day and night to make sure you're praying. So I think I signed up for like the 2 a.m. slot or something. And so it's my turn. I think we scheduled a youth lock-in around the same time because it was my turn, and I went into the prayer closet at our church. We had a, we had a prayer closet at our church. It's, it was just a kind of a soundproofed room with kneeling benches around the perimeter. And so I went into this prayer closet in my scheduled hour at 2 a.m. in the morning, and I was armed for battle, boy. I mean, I was ready to pray. Three and a half, five minutes into it, I had said everything <laughs> that I thought I could think of to say. <laughs> so I was like, oh, no. I've broken the chain, you know? <laughs> no. Um, so for the rest of that hour, I was what do I do with myself? And I think, so Kyle, to your point, you know, Thanksgiving, uh, how much time can we really spend just being thankful? And mm. um, but, but I think that in the same way that the Bible says pray without ceasing, and we, we know that it doesn't mean actually pray without thinking about anything else, right? Right. Um, I think gratitude is a, is a spirit as well as an act. You know, it's a frame of mind. And I would say, I would say gratitude is, is a pause. Mm. Is it kind of a pause button on the hurried, rushed consumption culture that we live in? And so one of the ways, and I'd, I'd love to get you guys' take on this, one of the ways I think we as Christians can live into that Thanksgiving mindset is to really make sure that what we're doing on Thanksgiving is a true pause from all of our other pursuits, kind of a Sabbath rest, if you will, from all these other pursuits to give thanks to Jesus for all that he provides for us. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that needs to be recaptured and instilled in our kids um, and reminded of ourselves is is contentment. I yeah. think, um, you know, these... For all the jokes we make about getting good discounts, it breeds we need more uh, kind of mentality, and we're not satisfied or happy if we don't have more or the newest thing. And so, I think gratitude is is um, wrapped up in gratitude is learning to just be thankful and understand that what God gives you is enough. I mean, you can be content and joyful in those things. There's a an episode of. Um Little House on the Prairie. It's one of the first episodes. It's at Christmas. Oh yeah, Kyle, you know about this episode. Oh tell yeah, us about this it. is a so this is a uh, a myth in our family. We talk about this all the time, and it's the Christmas a, episode. A myth in the best possible. A myth sense. in the best possible sense, right. as in as in mythological, as in it it frames our way we view the world. Um, the episode is uh, Little House on the Prairie. It's obviously a frontier family, and they've and they've got this uh, whole 
group of, uh, I think it's three daughters and the husband and wife, kind of living in a lot of isolation, at least early on, on the American frontier. And they've got a friend named uh, uh, Mr. Oh, gosh. Mr. Edwards. Mr. Edwards. I was going to say Ingalls, but that's their name. <laughs> Mr. Edwards. And um, he was supposed to be there with them on Christmas. And he wasn't there because there was this massive snowstorm. And so they're thinking he's not coming, and he was the one bringing lots of the presents. And so they're all sort of sitting around, and there's not much giving going on. And about towards the end of the episode, he busts through the front door, and the wind is swirling around, and he's standing there in his long johns. <laughs> in his, frozen. In his, he's trapped tra- tra- <clears throat> through rivers, you know, yeah. frozen rivers. He's, he's dropped all the parcels in rivers and waters, and he's standing there with these presents. And so they put him by the fire, warm him up, and then they pass out the presents, and um, they talk about the presents they get at the end. And it, um, we always talk about this in my family, and it's, um, they it's talk penny, about- uh, Tin cup. Uh, a tin cup, a licorice stick, and the last line we always quote is, and a shiny new penny. Mm-hmm. And that in my family is the slogan of gratitude, and a shiny new penny. It's the ability to value deeply something that was given that, uh, in that sense, was unlooked for, um, did not have to be given, and was uh, brought to you by love. So... Aside from the fact that I was right, this really was a conversation about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> I, I surrender. Yeah. I surrender. Uh, I, 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 would say, I would say that you've hit on something important in this season of going from Thanksgiving to Black Friday and Van kind of synthesizing some of your comments as well about contentment and knowing and having enough and, and having that sense of, of having enough. I would say that there's the, the, the linchpin here is the word value. Um, you know, discount is a certain expresses a certain kind of value. Uh, buying new things expresses a certain kind of value, but gratitude and stopping and the shiny new penny and the tin cup expresses another kind of value. And so, I, I would say, I guess, I guess, what concerns me about that rush from Thanksgiving to uh, Black Friday, if you even celebrate Thanksgiving at all in, in, in a thankful kind of way, is is where what it says about our values as a people and what we truly value above all else. If in our society some are willing to trample the life of another human being in order to get that palantir, mm. um, that black box, whatever it is that they've got their their heart set on. So, how do we teach a value system? What is it about the Christian worldview, I should say, that offers a better value system? than a value system of pure consumption that your life is made up of the things you can consume. What, it, what does Christianity teach that's better? Well, it teaches the very simple truth that it is better to give than to receive. Uh, we are taught that uh, to extend hospitality and generosity is, is better in some ways than to receive it. Um, Gosh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep giving you fod- fodder here. I'm gonna keep giving you fuel. But uh, as a as a <laughs> kid, I was taught I was taught how to um, uh, I was taught this lesson because my parents would always give me a, a small allowance. I, we didn't get allowance the entire year. The, that wasn't how our family ran. But I would always get a small amount of allowance right before Christmas, so that I could go to the little store they had in the in the school library <laughs> and buy little yeah. trinkets for. <clears throat> And I the expectation yeah. was those are memories, man. Yeah. And the and the and the expectation was I would go and buy a little trinket for every family member, 
uh, that I could give away because the point was you taught, mm. I was taught the value of giving. Mm. And um, we kind of continue that today in the sense that uh, at Thanksgiving, you're, part of the expectations, you come and we want everyone to bring something. Um, and giving is in the name. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, you know, I, um, I think there's some interesting research that shows that um, what people value at the end of their days uh, is experiences more than things. And this whole question of consumption, I think, is not, it would be a mistake to think it's a question of economics, because it's not really about the economics. I mean, Jesus kind of made the point that it's, that extravagant gifts are actually a good thing. And it was Judas, penny-pinching Judas, who was uh, uh, complaining. Was it Judas? Yeah, he was yeah. stingy. Yeah. He was stingy and penny-pinching and complaining about this extravagant offering that this young woman made to Jesus. So the, the notion that it's about the money right. is, is mistaken, I think, in Christian economy. Uh, I mean, you can be wasteful and profligate and all that stuff, but it depends on what it's directed to. Mm-hmm. And so I think... Um, I think, you know, I can count, I'm, I'm old now, I can count on my fingers the number of Christmas gifts I had that were truly impactful. And they rarely had anything to do with... Well, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> economic things. Um, but I, I think that, but I can remember many Christmases together. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the thing about even Thanksgiving, most of the stories we told were not about things we had, but about things we did mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, right? And so I think that this, um, I think if we can emphasize um, being experiences we do together mm. over things we have, uh, who cares how much, what, what the economics of it are? That's sort of immaterial, but it's, it, it's, it puts the emphasis on relationship and shared community over, over the acquisition of things. Yeah, it makes me think of Jesus' words where he says, don't store up for yourself treasures where moth and rust destroy, you know, but store up things that uh, moth and rust can't get to. And so I think yeah. things like mm-hmm. experiences and relationships and uh, the things that will last forever, I mean, in yeah. Christ, are, those are things worth chasing after the most. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so here, last question, guys. I, I, typically at this point in the conversation, well, it's not uncommon for us to say, okay, what advice would you have for the average listener at Thanksgiving? But I'd like to put it to you, okay? what What is something that you think you could do with your family this Thanksgiving to lean into the gratitude aspect and the, the, the higher values aspect? Um this year, maybe a new tradition you could start. So something my grandfather did at our, at our last Thanksgiving was he had us, uh, he prepared a short devotional with some scripture readings and some prayer prompts. And um, I liked that. But one of the things I think I would like to do is have some moment where I'm standing around with the family and or maybe seated, you know either way it's good i'm not a legalist you know and have a moment where we all 
declare something we're grateful for and actually thank the Lord for it and specifically do it while the food is waiting for us. I think what we do in the time between when the food is prepared and when we consume it says a lot about how we're valuing that moment. So that's what, something I would like to do. We're going to try to make it. <laughs> As soon as you looked up, I saw the look in your eyes. This is going to be ridiculous. I was so sincere, Van, <laughs> yeah, and you were going to make a it. joke. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to try to be the first family in line at the store we want to shop at. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah just gonna, so you can be really thankful for that We're going to take spot. a camping trip <laughs> on, <laughs> on Thanksgiving. <laughs> to the Camp Best Buy the parking, parking lot. lot. Yep. <laughs> no, I think uh, maybe just as a way of something to get their, the wheels turning in my family's mind, it just hypothetically uh, put before them, you know, if this were the last time that we got to gather together, what is it that you would latch on to the most or would you say you're most grateful for within our family unit, you know, that stands out to you through all the years we've had together? If this is our last one, you know, what is it that the Lord is um, putting your heart that you treasure the most about us and uh, – because when you start doing that, all of a sudden, you all these other thoughts and concerns sort of dissipate, and you're like, "Wow, um, I'm starting to think on some serious things now." You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. yeah. And then we'll go get in line. <laughs> 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 um, I think uh, to to be intentional and say out loud something that needs to be said to someone you're close to Mm. and not take for granted the opportunity to say it. I remember a time I loved my grandmother, granny. And, um, you know, it was one of those grandmother relationships where I felt at home and as comfortable in her house as I did in my own. I mean, there was almost no emotional or feeling of distinction between my house and her house. And she would, I can remember to this day, she'd pull me up in her lap and sing, I love you a bushel and a peck, a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck, you know, and give me a big old kiss on the cheek. And she, you know, I remember this. I mean, I was probably four years old or something. Um, fast forward many years later, I'm a young adult and Josh and Ben's probably a toddler. And, and she's at, you know, he said we all descended on my parents' home for Thanksgiving. She was down there one year, and I remember we were went to the mall. We were, it wasn't Black Friday; it was actually before Thanksgiving. And I just felt this conviction. She couldn't walk the whole time that everybody was there, so she kind of planted herself in the food court. And I sat next to her, and I had this conviction that I just needed to tell her how much she meant to me and how vital she was to my upbringing. And, um, and I got to tell her and Mm. I just made a point. And at first it was a little awkward because I was sort of saying some things that you don't sort of just come out and say, you sort of feel and you sort of think, but you don't really say it. But, um, it was, I mean, I'm so thankful that I had the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, my dad died unexpectedly and out of the blue and without any warning and, you know, one of the one of the things I I thought after that is, man, there I, it was too soon. I didn't get to say some things that I wanted to say, and so I would say, in the in the spirit of, it's the experience and the relationships that matter. Make a point of telling somebody something really intimately important 
that they mean to you and how grateful you are for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I guess I would, <clears throat> I would say I'm going to try to do Thanksgiving a little slower. I think it always feels like it goes by so fast, you know. But to slow down a little bit, um, let the meal last a little longer, and to do some of the things you guys have described around the table um, as we're eating, as we're enjoying the bounty of that meal, to to express our gratitude to God and each other, that vertical and horizontal gratitude, that, um, and say those things that we really need to be saying. And I think maybe the other thing would be, I think I'm gonna, I want to devote the day after Thanksgiving to something good also. And not, it's not for everybody. Some people need to rush and get those discounts. And I'm not going to, I'm truly, I'm not going to say you should not go get a discount if you can get one. That's fine. But I think for me and, and my, as for me and my house, um, I think just, just in our context, spending that day Friday, um, in, rest together and enjoying each other and also just staying in that slow pause between consuming things and and to be and to practice contentment you know uh, i mean contentment doesn't mean much i guess when you're practicing it if you unless you have other options <laughs> um, mm. and so because it's black friday and because there's such another option as that to just sit and be content on a day like that i think would be a good practice for us Kyle, why don't you close us out here today? Colossians 3 reads this way. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This has been a Faith and Culture Conversation, a ministry of Lake Ridge Bible Church. You can join the conversation by emailing us at faithandculture at lakeridge.org. Special thanks to Jeremy Wilkerson for producing.